This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. Welcome everyone to a special episode of Dissect. I am Cole Kushna, and today I am joined with the core team of season six on Lemonade. We have co-host and co-writer Titi Shodia. How are you doing, Titi? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. And we also have the silent assassin, Miss Maggie Lacey, who uh, <laughs> we're hearing for the first time, but you guys have been hearing her her words through us throughout the season. How are you doing, Maggie? I'm doing great. For those that don't know, Maggie wrote, I want to say about half the episodes, the half the scripts or so. I haven't done a formal count, but sounds about right, right? Yeah. I wanted to kind of just briefly introduce you to the audience since you're such an important part of this this season. Um, I'll kind of give the backstory real quick how I found you. Um, there's a lot of preliminary research that went into this season and I basically made kind of like a log of all the essays and all the articles and everything that I found um, that I enjoyed and thought were insightful about Lemonade. And you had written a thesis paper on Lemonade. And it was the one that I kept going back to a lot. Um, and I just found myself going back to that one in particular. Um, and then when the when I had the idea of maybe bringing in a, another writer, um, I kind of just thought of of you first, not knowing really anything, anything about you. And it took me um, some some MacGyvering to find you. <laughs> you're you're not readily, readily available on the internet. Um, you don't have social media or I couldn't find your social media at the time. Uh, I think I, I was trying to think of how I actually ended up getting in touch with you. I think I contacted your place of work. I found out where mm -hmm. you worked, <laughs> um, not creepy at all. But <laughs> But I found out where you worked and I emailed, I think maybe your boss or something. Yeah. Um, is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I work at a preschool, so it was kind of out of left field for them. And for yeah, me. So, <laughs> so let me, uh, so I guess just tell us a little bit about um, your paper and uh, kind of what, when, it, what the focus of that was, what, in, what went into that. 
um, just for those that that don't know? Um, yeah, so I I went to college at Regis University and I majored in religious studies. And um, by the end, I was a little burnt out, so I needed to figure out a way to incorporate Beyonce into my paper to get interested again. Yeah. Um, but once I um, started uh, researching lemonade and seeing all the Christian imagery in there, it led me to some womanist uh, theologians and uh, particularly Kelly Brown Douglas. She writes about crossroads theology, which is essentially the idea that um, uh, blues music has a lot to say about theology, God, religion. Um, so as I was reading her work, I was seeing a lot of parallels between Beyonce in Lemonade and her journey and some of the journeys of blues women in the past. I saw her taking up very similar um, uh, actions and resources. And then um, by the end of the film, I thought her vision of redemption really aligned with some of the ideas of Crossroads theology. So yeah, for those that aren't familiar with what Crossroads theology is, do you want to give us just a a Cliff Notes version of that? Yeah, yeah. Um, Basically, uh, Crossroads theology is a branch of womanist theology uh, that was created by Kelly Brown Douglas and Sean Copeland. and they essentially argue that um, a lot of perspectives have been shut out of theology historically, but that by learning from certain perspectives, uh, we gain such valuable insights into how we should frame religious thinking. And so they particularly look at experiences of blues people in the Reconstruction era, kind of the early 20th century and how they were navigating what they had to say about God and religion. And there's kind of a misconception that blues is secular or the devil's music, all this Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, But they argued that um, their perspectives are super valuable uh, in terms of thinking about the divine in ways that actually integrate the sacred and the secular. Got it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed that that work and basically long story short i found you and uh brought you onto the season and yeah you were just a incredible voice and perspective and thinking around this uh work so definitely great to have you this season thank Um, you so much yeah so the scope of today's episode basically is just mostly going to be listener submitted questions um some kind of unanswered questions about lemonade people had um i wanted to address up top couple of things uh, that we were asked about frequently that we won't so much address here today because we are planning to address it uh, in a week from now. And that is, we got a lot of questions about if we're going to talk about 444 and or Everything is Love. We do have an episode of, on, on both of those albums coming next week. Um, so we're not going to talk about it here because I feel like we said most of what we wanted to say um, in that episode. So that's coming. We also got some questions about Black is King, uh, which is the new Beyonce film that is coming out on July 31st. Um, we are currently brainstorming 
about possibly doing an episode about that. So we obviously haven't seen the film yet, so we can't talk about it much here, but it does look amazing uh, by the trailer. Uh, and I think we'll, we'll likely do something on that. So be on the lookout for that possibly in August. Uh, and then the other thing that I get asked this a lot about every season, uh, but we were asked about it specifically for this season, which is um, whether Beyonce has listened to, approved of, um, helped us with the season at all. That is a big fat no, uh, or at least as much as I know. Um, so, and and that's the case for all past seasons. I don't know if the artists listen or, or what, uh, and they don't help me at all or approve things. So just to get those things out of the way. Um, so I'm going to ask, uh, my, my personal question to you guys, which was basically what I asked our listeners to submit, which is that if you listen to the finale episode, you heard a montage of our listeners sharing their biggest takeaway from lemonade. And it's kind of a more personal aspect, which we don't get to do too much on the show. So I want to take this opportunity to ask you guys, what your biggest takeaway from Lemonade was, and I'll start with you, TT. I think for me, the biggest takeaway was that, because I've consumed Beyonce for many years as um, a young Black girl to a Black woman, she's always been around. I, I think I said this in the first bonus episode that we recorded, that I don't remember a time not listening to Beyonce or Destiny's Child. Yeah, um, It's kind of hard to even imagine a time where where she didn't exist. Um, but the way that I consumed her was in, I think, only like a pop sense where it was like, oh, this is a great song to dance to. I didn't really think too, too much about the lyrics and, you know, loved the music videos, loved the the artistry and the performance part of it. But I think for me with Lemonade and working on this show, it really uh, made me view her in a different light. And so my biggest takeaway was that this is a uh, scholarly work. It's yeah. more than just a lot of uh, an album with pop songs that you can dance to, some slow songs, some sad songs that you can cry to. It is telling a, a story and it's not just about the past. It's also contributing to the historical record of the present. Yeah, And so um, I think that that's really impactful that what she's doing because I mean, as we've seen, it's still relevant and it's really important to tell these stories and to show how we got here and what we're still and what black people are still going through. And um, I think it always kind of harkens back to that uh, Zora Neale Hurston quote where she says, if you're silent about your pain, they'll kill you and say that you enjoyed it. And mm -hmm. I think that Beyonce really feels that where she's like, I have to speak to it. I have to speak my pain. I have to speak my truth and the pain of Black people because we have this shared experience. And um, that's what I feel like Lemonade does. Yeah, that's great. Uh, how about you, Maggie? I think for me, what I've been thinking about with it a lot lately is just the bravery that it takes for her to open up like that. Um, and to show, yeah, all of that pain and all of that process and come out on the other side. I think it's a really powerful example of true, real love mm. for herself um, to reaffirm herself in the midst of all of this pressure to then take that love that she's rooted, that self-love, and then extend it to 
her partner and her family and empathize, but also hold accountable. And then though the story could end there, she takes it even further to um, love and her hope for that love to transform society as a whole. Yeah, that's and that kind of ties into my my takeaway. I kind of shared my takeaway at the very, very end of the the finale episode. So I'll keep my my response short. But that was one of the things that I really you you feel it when I felt it when I watched Lemonade. But I don't know. Maybe there's a lot of people smarter than me, but I certainly can't imagine watching Lemonade in real time and understanding everything that's going on. Um, it's so impressionistic and, and and abstract in, in a lot of ways. But once you di- really dig in, like we got to do with this season, you just how you just touched on. There's so many layers baked in. There's there's the personal story about infidelity and redemption that is very specific to Jay Z and Beyonce. But then there's this, like Titi touched on, there's this larger narrative about the black experience, the past and the present, and how those intertwine. But then, yeah, like, but all, like you just mentioned too, like at the very core, it is about love and it's about this kind of universal struggle and um, acceptance. And, and we've probably all been in relationships where you are forced the, the conflicts of that relationship really magnify you as a person. And like, it's always, it's that thing about if you don't know yourself, if you don't love yourself, it's really, really hard, if not impossible to love someone else. And I think, you know, Beyonce herself described this experience of making lemonade and, and going through that conflict with Jay-Z as you know, she specifically said it changed her and and it forced her to go on her own personal journey of self-discovery. And I think, you know, if you think about Beyonce's life is so atypical and how she grew up basically performing her whole life, was famous at a very young age. I can see how you would kind of get lost, like who you are gets lost in that. And if you ne- and never having the time to, yeah, to really figure out who you are, which I feel like probably most of us end up doing at some point and especially it's probably in our 20s that w- that it happens and so that was kind of for me just something really great about this album how she was able to you know put all like bake those layers successfully into this work um and that's you know very hard to do and very hard to make so accessible at the same time um so yeah, so let's get into the the listener questions. These came from we basically asked on social media, uh, Twitter, Reddit, and Instagram. Uh, we polled kind of we're going to get to as many as we we can. We can't answer all of them, but we got some really great questions. And I'm going to start it here, which is kind of relating to what we're already talking about. But um, it's from Bayhive Boy Four. And he or she, I don't know, not sure, asked, has your analysis of the Lemonade album and film either affirmed or altered your personal view on the ethical responsibility of art? In short, how does Lemonade make you or call you to become a better human? TT, you want to you take a stab at that one? Um, yeah, I think that for me, because my background is in the scientific community. And so a lot of my focus throughout my life has been how science uh, contributes to society. And working on this um, heightened my 
my ability to understand how art also influences um, society. Mm. And when you think about it, because it kind of like set me down this rabbit hole about how, because she's not the first to do this, you know, there have been people who have um, made music, art, and and different types of, using different mediums in the art space to speak to current events and speak to the past and trying to tell a story. And I think that the way it's done has been expanded. I think what Beyonce is doing and did with with Lemonade is give a lot of people more license to speak their truth Mm. in whatever medium that they want. Because I feel like some people feel like that's reserved for a certain type of person who should have Or even a certain music. Certain exactly. genre of music, yeah. Exactly, where it's like, oh, you should have went to school for like music theory. Sure, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you should know, like, read all these books and things like yeah. that. But, you know, Beyonce on paper, she's not that person, but she mm-hmm. was still able to tell this really powerful story with Lemonade um, with the help of other people. Sure, yeah. And I think that it kind of just opened up. It took the blinders off of me and said, okay, yes, lots of things can contribute to um, society, even art that you might not necessarily think is contributing to how we think about the world Mm -hmm. and how we think about the history of different cultures in the world. And so that's what it is for me. I can't remember the second part of the question. Oh, just call it kind of your, um, how does it call you personally to become a better human? If it does. I think, I think, like I said, it just made me feel like I can also use my voice to, to do these things too. Sure. Because yeah. as someone who has a background in, in science, I've, I've often felt like that's not my place to mm. speak about social things because, you know, I'm in a lab working with chemicals and not really doing the stereotypical work that people would associate with being in like a social justice space or being able to speak on these things. But my experience matters. You know what I'm saying? Like my lived experience matters and I can tell my story and I can say um, how being black in America has affected me. I can say how it has affected my family. I can say these things and they can all contribute to the overall narrative of the black experience because I'm black. Um, So yeah, I think for me, that's what it is. Yeah. It's interesting because you, because my world is all art and how all like that's all I think about literally is like how art affects society. But then it's kind of like the opposite or not the opposite, but kind of the flip side to that coin, because like your work specifically on like dope labs shows how science impacts the world. But even specifically on things like race, uh, like your mm-hmm. last episode a couple of weeks ago was kind of the the racial bias of genetics and the origins of that and how that affected uh things even today the scientific community's thinking around those issues today so yeah it all kind of it all contributes and everyone has their lane and everyone can express their truth or whatever um but yeah so maggie what what about you um i've been thinking a lot as someone who listens to music and interacts with art i don't make a lot of art myself, but on the listening side, um, I've been thinking a lot about how it's just a powerful tool for empathy and understanding. And um, 
for the part of how it makes me or calls me to become a better human, I truthfully, before Lemonade, I realized that I hadn't been intentionally seeking out art that um, doesn't necessarily reflect my own experience, but I've been thinking a lot about, it's kind of a responsibility I'm starting to recognize for myself to balance that um, consumption and start to look for art that centers experiences that are just different from my own so that I don't like that my worldview isn't just shaped by a certain like kind of experience. Like I think it's really important to see work that, I mean, in the case of Lemonade, there's almost no white people in the whole thing. And that was um, like really important for me because um, it's super easy as a white person to go through and only interact with art that is by white people for white people. Mm-hmm. And and shows that experience. So I've been thinking about my own responsibility is intentionally seeking out a wide variety of experiences in my consumption of art. Yeah, and I think yeah, I mean that and that that creates a demand and a need and and a market for those things. Brought you know more interest it will, will broaden those and create more of an audience within which then incentivizes more people to do it. Um, so I think that's kind of important for all of us to kind of think about, especially right now. Um, so let's move on to the next question. Um, we had two that were related, so I'm going to read them both at the same time and we'll kind of talk about them generally. Um, the first one comes from at Izzy Chacon, I think. Sorry if I'm going to get these, I'm going to get the, all these names wrong, probably. They ask, Lemonade was released uh, in 20, 2016. And we see how much relevance and new stuff are still being recognized today when most albums die within a year or two. How do you think Lemonade is going to age? Talking 10 to 50 years from now. And Hall's Balls 69. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, he or she asks, um, many of the episodes that were released following the death of George Floyd seem eerily relevant to listen to in the current state of protesting for ending of police brutality in support of the Black Lives Matter movement. Did you alter any of the scripts for later episodes to address these things? So I guess I'm thinking about these two questions being similar in that they're talking about relevancy, about you know, a lot has been discussed recently about obviously the Black Lives Matter movement and the, the things that we're facing currently um, and how Lemonade is touching on these things, but it was written in 2016. So I don't know, T.T., you want to share your thoughts about those? Yeah, I think that uh, Lemonade was relevant uh, before 2016, after 2016, Mm -hmm. and probably for all eternity. um, As long as white supremacy exists, Lemonade will be relevant. Um, The timing of the release of this season of Dissect with kind of like this global outrage over the the murders of George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and a bunch of other Black people um, by racist police and racist people. Uh, I think it was unfortunate, the timing, but I'm glad that we were able to have to have the season come out when it did, Mm -hmm. because I felt like it kind of was helping to underscore everything and contribute to the global conversation of Black Lives Matter. Lemonade in 50 years will probably still be relevant. 
Hopefully uh, not, but yeah. <laughs> History yeah. is not on our side on that on that yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know long how long we have to wait uh, as a culture at, for as for black people before um, the tides turn and we actually see uh, systemic justice. But until that happens, lemon, lemonade will always be re- relevant. It might not be in the forefront of your mind, whoever wrote uh, that. It might not be in the forefront of someone that of the mind of a person that is not a person of color or a black person, but lemonade is always relevant even when folks aren't being killed and it makes national news yeah i mean my understanding my thinking about this was what one to address a question the specific question did we alter any scripts no we didn't and Mm -hmm. it was eerie how they aligned um you know specifically um forward episode drops you know a week after george floyd and um the freedom episode comes out the week of June fifth, uh, Juneteenth. So there, <clears throat> we didn't alter any of the scripts, but it was weird how it laid out. But nothing. The sad part about it is that it's relevant because nothing has changed. Um, you know, we didn't need the death of George Floyd. Uh, we didn't need these specific deaths that happened recently to those didn't change anything. It was just a reinforcement of what's been happening. So, you know, obviously we want to be respectful about those, those tragedies, but you know, nothing has changed and that's the point and that's why it's relevant. Um, and so to me it was like, yeah, it was, was eerie how specific it was and the timing really lined up. But again, it's, it's like what you said, TT, it's, it's relevant now it's going to be relevant in 10 years hopefully not relevant in 50 years, but um, yeah, I don't know. Do you have any, any other thoughts on that, Maggie? Um, yeah, basically just, I agree with everything you guys are saying. Um, it'll be interesting to see in 50 years how, how different artists after her approach these things. And I'm guessing a lot of people will call her a big influence. Mm-hmm. I don't think that, that that will ever change. I think she's permanently forever going to be an influence on everyone who comes after. Yeah. And I think, yeah, we in, you know, black is King's about to come out. Um, and you can tell she's not slowing down. Um, her vision is grand and I think she's going to get even more. I mean, lemonade was really, I guess self-titled had kind of a visual album component, but it wasn't as, crafted i would say than as this one and you know lemonade was essentially her first stab at it so it's like she's she's trying the same she's doing the same thing again with black is king it seems like but um now has some experience more experience under her belt and i think that's just going to continue and i'm really excited to see where she's going to take music and art um because she's i mean already doing an incredible job and i assume it's just going to get better um okay so let's move on this come this question comes from Quinn. She is one of our biggest fans. Shout out to Quinn. She's very supportive of the podcast. She asked a two-part question. One, do you think this album could have stood alone sonically, uh, as in exclusively the audio could have been its own season if it wasn't accompanied by the visual? And then a related question, what did you gather more dissection from, the visuals or the music poetry? So I'll take a stab at this one first. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's I think definitely Lemonade could have had its own season just by the music, but 
it wouldn't be as good because lemonade isn't as good as as without the visuals and i think i was trying to think if all these kind of layers would be possible if we just heard the music and never saw the visuals because i think the the music itself is it's it's the infidelity story of of it's it's that layer it's it focuses on a redemption of love and a redemption of marriage and i don't know and maybe tt you can share your thoughts on this i'm not sure if all those other elements are clear or would be clear enough to unpack in the way that we were able to i guess with our analysis i don't i just do you, do you hear that in the music in the in the narrative of the the music alone was is that something that you would be able to kind of do you think you'd be able to, to put together? No, <laughs> maybe I'm just not, maybe I'm not smart enough. Maybe I'm not deep yeah. enough, but I like, I needed those visuals to, yeah. to get those deeper meanings and those layers. Um, because like you said, I think if you just listen to the, to the album on its own, it, you can just uh, draw the line through their relationship and the ups and downs and things like that. But mm-hmm. everything else, which was a, a large part in, um, what the big message that she wanted to send, I think we wouldn't have got that. It would yeah. have been a really big reach, like a triple jump. Yeah, it would be, it, to me, it would be one of those things where someone, like common in thesis papers uh, or academic papers, where you have a specific, kind of like yours, Maggie, like you have a specific view and then you're gonna you're going to analyze, in this case, Lemonade through that view and show all these ways how it parallels in your instance like the crossroads theology but it's like of course beyonce probably wasn't thinking about crossroads theology when she was creating the work but there is a case to be made so i can see someone coming in and saying okay this is about love specifically black love and then let me make the case of how this uh specific story ties into this historic story of of the struggles of the black experience and black love except you know what i mean like but that wasn't so much in the music, but you could easily make a case for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'd have to be as smart as Maggie, which <laughs> most of us are not. <laughs> um, and in terms of the second part, you know, the visuals, do we get more dissection from the visuals, music, poetry? I think it was equal to me. It was equal. It was the best part about Lemonade is how all these things interact with each other and the way certain lines of uh, lyrics will change if you're just hearing it in the song and then hearing it with that specific visual that you see when that line is uh, performed. And that was the best, that was to me the funnest part about this season was really seeing how the interpretations changed with the visuals and the poetry um, and how that all colored and interacted was like, it's just really beautiful. I don't know, was that your experience too, Maggie? Um, Yes, I think so. And I think just being a Beyonce fan, I, th- I think it was on her self-titled album. Uh, she had kind of like a companion video where she was talking about how she sees music when she makes it. So I think mm. for her, even in the creation, and I don't want to speak for her, but it's, it would seem like the visual was always part of that process. Yeah. And I think we're so used to artists just releasing an album, like just the audio Um that I think she's almost like pioneering kind of her own medium. Yeah. And so uh, it'd be really hard to try to do just the the music when knowing that with her intention to go into visuals the whole time. Yeah, I don't know if I had more dissection visuals, 
music or poetry. I think I was thinking about it like mathematically, like there's probably 70% music, 30% spoken word, but there's always a hundred percent, you know, visuals on the screen. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But I mean, I don't know. They all, they're all so interconnected that it's hard to say. Love that. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a great point, too, is that she is really, and I think Black is King is going to really stamp this because it, it sounds like it's structured in the same way where there's music, there's spoken, and there's visuals. Um, and that is, it is kind of her own medium. And I think she's, yeah, she is really pioneering this new thing. Um, you know, we've seen visual accompaniment with full albums before, but not, I mean, none that I know of uh, that are on this level that really interact in this way. Um you know, you, there's there, there's been other kind of world building around albums, like specifically, I think about Childish Gambino's because the internet, when when he was very intentional about, there's a screenplay, there's an album, there's um, a website, there's performance art, there's music, all these things interact and and contribute to the narrative. So I think it's it's, I think that actually, you know what, maybe that it's it's all kind of like Beyonce, generally speaking, what sets her apart is that she's doing it on such a large platform and it has such an accessibility to it um, that you don't really, and you don't have to seek it out so much because it's given to you. It's like, here's a visual album. She was very specific about Lemonade being titled a visual album, meaning that the visuals are just as important as the music. Um, And actually I'm going to skip, there's a question about this, and I think um, we should probably address it here since we're kind of on the top the topic. But um, at Calmland, I think maybe Camland asked, "What do you think of Beyonce's marketing strategy with Lemonade, exclusive visual album, putting it on Spotify two years later? I think it was three years later. Um, do you think it isolated any of her fans or brought more people to pay serious attention to her work, or both?" And I bring that up now in this conversation because I do actually think it limited Lemonade in, in some respects. The visual album was on HBO and then it wasn't. And then it was on Apple and and then now it's only on Tidal. And I do, and it's not on YouTube, it's not really readily accessible to most people. And I do wonder if that release strategy, I understand, I love that she's experimenting and I and being creative with the release and obviously title is a big part of Jay-Z's business pursuits. But I do wonder if the accessibility of the, of the visual album limited people's understanding of what Lemonade is and was. Um, I don't know. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? Um, I just, I kind of agree. I feel like a lot of people I know um, just didn't have access. They, or they only had access to the, music and like we've been talking about the visuals are just so important to understand the whole project um i did everything in my power to see it and hear it when it came out but not not everybody just you know a casual fan probably that doesn't have title it definitely created a bit of a barrier i would think yeah and i think another thing that works to its disadvantage is that people just aren't used to consuming a visual album you know like you're saying it is a pioneering medium and i just don't think people are used to it yet uh, and maybe i hope it's something that becomes more common and that we kind of view more like a traditional film or it'd actually be interesting if it could become 
you know, we consume albums multiple times, but we usually only watch a film once, maybe mm. twice, some other months, years later. But I mean, for me personally, when I love a film, I watch it obsessively. Um, and maybe that's just my specific nature. Um, but I, w I do wonder if there is a world where we could learn to com to consume a visual album and, and watch it multiple times and kind of have a, this mass understanding and and interest in in something like that i don't know I, I think that'd be cool personally yeah i mean i feel like and cole i guess this is more a question for you because i feel like people's consumption of music has changed over the decades where and how how albums were made is so different like i feel like now a lot of artists are more focused on the single and having yeah. a, a really good song out that makes the charts like they're not trying to tell a story within an album they're trying to create a hit yeah um that can make the charts and so the the art of making an album that tells a story is kind of a, a dying art or whatever where there are still people that do it yeah. i mean beyonce is doing that but the majority of people that are in the music industry or trying to break into the music industry just want to hit so they're not focused on telling a story so it wouldn't be possible for them to sure. be a part of this new medium that um maggie uh so eloquently put that is starting to emerge from like mm. juggernauts like a beyonce i don't i don't know do you think that this will push people back towards the the art of telling a story through their music yeah i mean i think i think we're so early on in the in the streaming era that what we did what artists a lot of artists did at first was like okay how is this going to work financially what's the best what's the be well and it probably is inspired by the labels to be honest because they're thinking bottom line mostly all the time uh they're not the artist obviously so their their job is to profit on it so i think i think what we're seeing now is the gaming of streaming or at least becoming the most successful financially on streaming which means big singles lots of streams songs that are great with playlists that you can just drag and drop into your own personal playlist and then albums that are 25 songs long because to get the amount of streams equivalent to an album sale is much higher than buying a single album so you have drake releasing a 25 song album you have chris brown releasing that crazy 40 song or whatever it was yeah. album and Ch even chance the rapper's newest project was just so long and a lot of that is to game the streaming system to get you number ones. Um, and so I think we're just in that early stage. But to answer your question, I think people like Beyonce, I think people like Kendrick Lamar are going to figure out another version of this new digital medium world that we have now. And I think you're going to see artists start to try to figure out, yeah, what can we do with all these streaming platforms? What can we do creatively to... To integrate, you know, Spotify is probably is likely going to have videos soon. You know, how do I manipulate that with the music? And mm -hmm. they're going to be taking risk. I mean, Lemonade was a huge risk, and we, we talked about how it hurt the release strategy, limited the scope. But I think that's a necessary injury or something mm -hmm. where you're going to have to test some things out. You're going to have to be the first one, right? Absolutely. There has to be a first, and it's probably going to be the most successful. But it's going to start to pave the way for for different expressions different outlets and i think mm -hmm. that's what i'm excited because i think artists will always figure it out i yeah. you know across time 
doesn't matter the era, doesn't matter the the materials that they're ha- the tools that they have. Mm-hmm. Artists will find a way to create art, and I think that's what we're going to see is is people really creatively thinking about those things. Uh, and that's you know I think that's what's exciting. And obviously, like we said, Beyonce's not backing down. Um, mm-hmm. She's she's pushing it forward uh, with Black is King, and um, yeah, and I I, th- I think that's what's so great and inspiring about Beyonce is that she could have easily be playing the streaming game right now. She could mm-hmm. be hit, putting out these massive singles Absolutely. and and just winning. We in quarantine? Yeah. <laughs> this is perfect time. <laughs> yeah. But instead, you saw that that really personal Instagram post exactly. that she had a couple of weeks ago where she's literally been pouring herself into this film for the last year, mm-hmm. not even knowing if it's going to be pe- something that people are going to watch more than once or even at all. Uh, yeah, because even her mom posted on her Instagram, Tina Lawson, uh, she said that Lemonade was like her least profitable yeah, album. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. But Beyonce has a point she's trying to make. I think so that's mm-hmm. more important for her as, as an artist that she's like, no, I'm not going to compromise my art for money. And I think that's the place where she's at right now. And she she's she she has the the flexibility to do that. Yeah. And I think that actually that's going to tie a little bit into this next question. Um, at Phil the Music asked, can we talk about the progression of blackness in Beyonce's career? Critics say she's conveniently became black as it slowly became politically correct to do so. But I'd argue Beyonce has always been unapologetically black as a celebrity. So I think in my mind, this kind of relates to what we're talking about, this progression of her career. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think we're all aware of of the critics of what she's doing now. And I, I just wonder, TT, if you had any thoughts on that. Um, yeah, and I'm going to try not to get on my soapbox because I know <laughs> that we don't ha- have that much time. Um, Beyonce has been Black her whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that you can switch it off and switch it back on and not be Black for part of your career and then be Black for another part of your career and say, oh, I'm not Black anymore in this setting is kind of ridiculous to me. Because if that were true, I feel like we would all flip that switch off and we were pulled over by the police. Um, Because that would be hella handy, hella convenient, (laughs) and save a lot of lives. Um, It has never been politically correct in the United States of America to show your blackness, even present day. So (laughs) the fact, the idea that now it's it's more acceptable for her to be quote unquote black. It is is ridiculous because I mean we even saw the backlash that she had when she did information at the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. So saying that it's more politically correct to uh, show your blackness now doesn't make sense um, because there are still black people that are being brutalized, marginalized, and discriminated against present day. Um, And black people are not a monolith. I know that everyone's probably heard someone say that a million times at this point. There is not a specific way to show your pride in your heritage. And Beyonce, by simply breathing and blinking and moving around in this world, she is contributing to the historical narrative of the Black experience. All of us are. Every single Black person, everything we say, everything we do, every move we make contributes. We are all contributing to the Black experience. And no one Black experience is more Black than Mm. another person's. And we have to stop pushing the idea that Black Americans, so 
who have a lineage of um, their ancestors being enslaved, who's I, who, so Black Americans whose identity was stolen from them, that when they find a part of it, that they cannot now celebrate it mm. because it's too late. You've lived, mm-hmm. you know, 25, 30 years of your life and you didn't know any part of that. But now that you know that you're part Nigerian, now you want to wear um, a gele. Wear that, in my in my opinion, wear that gele and be proud because you weren't given the opportunity to live your life knowing the intricacies of your history, your culture, and your ancestors. So any little shred of culture, of your culture, it is yours that you can get, you hold on to it really, really tight. And being dismissive of a Black person's experience and saying that, oh, you're not Black enough or you're or this is more black, this is too black for you because, you know, your part of your lineage is uh, being Creole and Creole is part white and you're very light-skinned. That is dismissive of their history, their ancestors, and their culture. And that is not fair. Black people have been robbed enough in mm. this experience in America. Do not take away from her. It com- We have to be able to compartmentalize our hate, people. Like, if you don't like somebody, say you don't like them. You know, if you don't, if you don't want to like Beyonce... That's crazy, but be that. Don't mm-hmm. try and rob her of the pieces of her. Mm. She is black. She's been black her whole life, and she will not stop being black. And the fact that she is using, she has now gotten to a stage in her career where she feels comfortable using her art to tell a story mm. and to push a message. We should all be proud of that. We should all be trying to do that. We should all, that should be all of our aims in this life. And I think what she's doing is amazing and beautiful. And you could tell she is doing the work yeah. with every, with every, uh, with everything that she's putting out, lemonade, black is King, everything that's coming out, black parade. She is doing the work. She's not just like sitting back passively and is like, Oh, you know, yeah, black folks. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm black. I'm black. No, she, she's going to Africa. She's doing the research. She's asking the questions. She's asking all the right questions and she's, and it's filling her with pride and that you can't ask for more than that. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I think that was beautifully put and thank you for that. Um, Soapbox away. No, yeah. <laughs> so let's get into the next couple of questions because it does kind of relate to this. Um, and I forgot to, I don't have the person's name here. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, but they asked, I'm Mexican-American, and yet this visual album spoke to me on a level that at times I wasn't sure fa- was fair considering my ethnicity. How do you all feel about this album? Uh, reaches beyond gender identity, ethnicity, and socio-historical experience. And this kind of ties into a question that uh, at Daniel Paldi asked, which is, the album is without a doubt a masterpiece that celebrates Black history, Black lives, etc. It's created for the Black community. However, many non-Black people, including myself, find themselves inspired and relate to the message of the album, both on the personal and societal level. Do you think that's what Beyonce meant for it to be? Do you think that it's a misinterpretation of the album, meaning a non-Black person relating to a Black experience and a pro-Black message? Um, I'll, I'll share my personal thoughts, and Maggie, I'm, I'm, oh, Maggie and Titi, I'm, I'm curious what you think. I think... This is, and this is, I think of also season one of Dissect, which is to Pippa Butterfly, which is also very similar to Lemonade in a lot of, in a lot of respects. Um, I think it is a great opportunity 
through art and empathetic listening to learn about an experience that is not yours. And I think we're all human. That is the base. That is what connects us all is that we are all human. And I think the, even the idea of what we're dealing with right now in terms of racial equality is we're really just trying to get back to this very simple idea that we are all human. And because of that, we all deserve to be treated equally and that we don't have to think about racial divides or racial inequalities. We're just trying to get back to this very simple baseline. And, and that's, that's like, that's the two layers that I, I think about when I'm dissecting or even listening to this kind of artwork is that obviously, is it not a, not a story that is, that is my own experience. It's, it's far from that, but I am learning Gen, I feel like I am genuinely learning and understanding what that experience is like. Obviously, I will never know the extent of it fully, but to me, it and and I, this is personal because I feel to art and music is my greatest connection to humanity, and so that's where I gravitate towards is learning through music, and I've done that my entire life. It could be something else, it, you know. It doesn't have to be music, but. Um, that's kind of my thoughts on it is that through a very specific experience, we learn more about the breadth of human experience. It's unfortunate and a tragedy that some people's experiences are affected simply because of what they look like. But at the same time, sharing those and taking the time to learn about other people's experiences that aren't yours, I feel like personally connects me to them more. And it just reemphasizes the fact that we are all human. Doesn't matter what we look like. Doesn't matter where we came from. We all need to be treated equally. It's it's so frustrating because it's such a simple concept that we have made so complicated through our history. And it obviously it's taking so much work and effort and tragedy to untangle this as we're experiencing right now, and we'll probably continue to experience for a long time. But that's it. At its core, we're all connected. Um, so that's kind of my, my take and, and to, just to bring it back to the question, lemonade to me is just a beautiful, powerful, very successful expression of that. And, you know, I've said it before, say it again, these albums changed my life, lemonade and to pimp a butterfly, I would say the most, uh, changed how I view the world, how I feel. And, um, I wouldn't trade the experience for the world. So, um, yeah, I don't know, Maggie, what was your experience like? Um, I agree with everything you said. Um, I think that it has been super powerful in that it creates that opportunity for empathy and listening. And although um, it's not an experience I'll ever fully understand because I don't live it, I think that she, if you feel, you know, she creates a lot of emotion in the project. And it, if you relate to something she's saying, that's a great access point um, for understanding more about her experience. I think that she um, has been pretty open. Well, I don't remember if, I think it was in the Homecoming documentary. She talks about how she could go to Coachella and wear the flower crown. Um, and that'd be kind of an easy thing to do but she very intentionally talks about her experiences as a black woman and tries to show the beauty 
of her culture, I think that, I think all people can recognize the beauty that she's putting out and honor that and um, use it as a jumping off point for more listening and understanding of people. Yeah, the other thing I would just add too is, you know, the album is really centered and rooted in love. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about it is that it comes to this conclusion about love and about love connecting us. Um, and we all feel love, you know, and, and it, it's the human emotions that we all feel that, that connect us. And I think landing there with Lemonade even brings it to this more universal place that we're talking about. Yeah. I don't know. Titi, do you have anything, anything you'd like to add to this? Um, no, not really. I think you guys kind of nailed it. Like her target audience is clear, but the lessons in Lemonade are definitely transferable. Like there are a lot of different people from different walks of life that can relate to a lot of the things um, in Lemonade. And I think another thing is, is that uh, if parts of Lemonade or if you're listening to Dissect and something like strikes you, in your heart and you're like, wow, I didn't know that this was the experience of Black people, that um, Lemonade was not made for your voyeurism. It, I think it's also a call to action for mm. everyone to do something about it. Yeah. And I think even to that point, like the, all the threads that she she lead, she puts in there, the historical threads, it's like, that's mm -hmm. those are there for you to explore on your own, right? Like if, mm -hmm. if something grabs your your attention and you're curious about it, you know, that's intentional. And like we saw a million times with this season, one little image will set you on this rabbit hole of, and then you, all of a sudden you're, you're reading about the history and Absolutely. you're going back to Africa and you're, re, you know, you're reading about, you know, how things traveled here. And, you know, it's just, it's just those little threads are just to your point about like taking action. I think even researching and learning is, is a form of action. Um, and it only educates you more about things you can do today how we got here and how we can change things so absolutely this episode is brought to you by viore i love sports i know you do too i also know that lots of you exercise but if you're like me and my wife the the beloved sports gal you're sick and tired of ugly uncomfortable workout gear especially you know i do a lot of walking i walk around la i make calls i listen to podcasts here are two words that will change everything viore clothing a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it, you can work out in it, you can go outside, you can go shopping down in your local wherever, and you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viore.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Okay, so let's move on. A um, little bit lighter here. Well, uh, maybe not actually. Because uh, <laughs> so it, it, it all kind of relates, sadly. It all kind of relates. At Indira, 
D asks, why did this, why didn't this album win the Grammy? Mm. And I'm going to add to this question. Why didn't it win the Emmy? Actually, I, so I didn't know this until today when I was researching this. It was nominated for three or four Emmys. It didn't win any. The one that it, that it made me the most mad that the biggest, I think the biggest category was, it was best variety entertainment, something like there was not a, a clear category, I guess, to put this in. Um, so it got grouped together with, in a weird category, but essentially it lost to, is it James Corden? That is that his name? The comedian? Yeah. The, the carpool. The, the, the carpool karaoke. It lost to that. So, so, so take that in. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> take that in. And then, and then Grammy, of course, she lost best album to Adele. Um, what do you guys think? This is hard because I don't know. I don't. My knee jerk reaction is this is racist. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm just like it just doesn't. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't know what goes into the res, the review for Grammys or Emmys, but it just doesn't make sense. It feels like she exposed something that people didn't really want to have to talk about or have mm. to acknowledge. And if they did acknowledge it, then it will create a greater conversation, which they don't want to attach to their brand as the Grammys or the Emmys. Mm. Um, and I'm just like, that's a really punk move. Like you're a coward. Um, if, if you're more worried about that. Um, yeah. It, it, I think it's frustrating because I mean, us more so now uh, since I worked on this season with you guys and knowing the amount of work that went into this and how good it is, it deserves all the trophies. Yeah. And I, I'm not exactly sure how the Grammys judge. I mean, they get it wrong more times than they get it right. So it's not a surprise to me. I would say that it probably has something to do. If it's not direct conscious racism, it's, it's kind of the implicit bias thing where I would guess I would bet my life savings that the majority of the Grammy board, whoever votes for it is probably majority white. And so they are going to gravitate to an Adele because it's safe and it's, and it's, and it's sold a lot of records and has all the qual the, the hallmark qualities of what the Grammy looks for. There's a lot of arguments to be made that they pick and choose when that applies, though, because you mm. think of an artist like Beck, who won best album over Beyonce uh, for the self-titled, I believe. You know, that was an obscure, didn't sell a lot of records. It was like mostly acoustic. It was a great record, but it's like, oh, they're awarding the the artsy guy. Mm -hmm. But who you it's like beyonce had the case there that she sold a bunch of that that self-titled was such a hit commercially all the ways mm -hmm. that the grammys would look for right but then this time they chose to to award the 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 artsy guy that didn't sell sell a lot of records and so it's just it's just they're moving uh, the goalposts yeah, every time exactly um and i th i think they'll be more conscious about that in the future i would hope um given everything that's going on now, but it's a miss. It's a, it's a huge miss. And actually I think the, the Emmys is more of a miss to me. I mean, I guess Grammy has the bigger stage there in the best album category, but fucking James Corden, like it's like a comedy show in a car. Like it's, a I, it's like this album is like belongs, this visual album belongs in a museum, you know, like this is special. And I just, yeah, 
That's a great point, though, Maggie, on a GoPro. <laughs> like, no shade to GoPro. I have one, yeah. but give me a break. It's Yeah, yeah. don't get me wrong. It's fun and, and all that. But I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. Award winning. I don't know. Do you have anything to add to that, Maggie? Um, I think you guys got it. I think it's definitely it's like it's not something that's just happened to Beyonce. It's consistently black artists put out critically acclaimed like albums. I'm thinking about to pimp a butterfly the same thing happened where taylor Mm -hmm. swift won over kendrick lamar and it's like you can kind of see a pattern at that point um Mm -hmm. you can't or even even with good kid mad city for the best rap album he lost to macklemore which is you know like like, without knowing how grammys works all you have to do is see that and know that they they need to fix something yeah Mm -hmm. okay so at diapers and dog houses (laughs) (laughs) asks uh does any part of you think this could be a ploy the leaked elevator footage which led to lemonade the 444 which led to the joint album and the concert uh maybe it's the conspiracy theorist in me but who in hell cheats on beyonce lol Uh, if this was a facade it would be the greatest marketing ploy of all time um yeah i don't know that's i mean that's a common narrative there's the common narrative of them being in the illuminati um all this crazy stuff we probably don't need to spend too much time on this, but um, Titi, what do you think? Um, I think that is uh, ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know a nicer way to say it, but I, I just, I think that is such a reach, like leaked elevator footage, all this stuff. Like, I, I just don't, I don't see it. I don't, I don't buy it. Um, I don't think so. I think that, if she has something she wants to say, she can say it. It's not that she's, uh, you know, this small time artist or like a mid range artist that's trying to get to the top. She's already at the top. She's at the pinnacle. She doesn't need any of this, any of the sensationalism. She doesn't need yeah. to. If she wants to put out an album and she wants to sell a million in a day. She can do it. She's mm-hmm. done it. She doesn't need all of the. She doesn't need any gimmicks like um, some people do. Um, this is Beyonce. We're talking yeah. about. She doesn't need to do that and she doesn't do it. What she's doing is take turning her pain into art mm-hmm. and in the best way that she knows how, because at her core, she is an artist and she wants to speak her experience and she wants to um, not make light of it, but take control of it. Um, she doesn't want the story being told for her. She wants to tell it herself in the way that she knows how, in the best way that she knows how. Um, I think that that's ridiculous. And Anybody can get cheated on. It it doesn't matter mm-hmm. if you're Beyonce or BB down the street. It, it doesn't, and it doesn't even have to be cheating. It can be anything. And now I think that's another point that she's trying to make with Lemonade is that she is one of us. She is not immune to any of the intricacies of a relationship just because she's married to the Jigga man. Like, yeah. and because they've got billions in the bank, it doesn't matter. Like, they still struggle in their relationship. They still have to overcome hardships in their relationship. They still have to, you know, raise children together, which is also hard and balance their careers and their relationship and everything like that. Like she is one of us. And that's what she was trying to say. I think that's one of the things that she's also trying to say with, with Lemonade and being so transparent with that work. Yeah. And I think I would add to that only, um, you know, if you're giving someone the benefit of the doubt, it's like, yeah, this was all very strategic. I, the leaked elevator footage, I don't think, obviously, it had anything to do with. And that's kind of been proven. But Lemonade to 444 to Everything is Love is a strategy. But it's 
I, I interpret it as an artful strategy. You know, she said specifically that she wanted to make this about black love and about how, you know, black people are almost conditioned not to be together. That was a direct quote that she stated about this project. And I think what's beautiful about what they did and really unique in the history of art is have this trilogy effect of three albums. You get the woman's side, you get the man's side, and you get the harmony at the end with everything is love. And it's it has this trajectory of a blueprint, you know, like if, if she's if she identified her personal situation in her marriage as a larger point, a larger issue that she sees specifically in the black community, and she has this voice, she has this megaphone, they're the two biggest artists in the world that had a very human conflict in their marriage that many people have, you know. I don't I don't think it's exploitive to to share that as an artist and then to give a mm-hmm. blueprint of especially Jay-Z with 444 mm-hmm. being as vulnerable as he was in that album being who he is who basically built his career on being the tough guy you know being invulnerable and having uh big pimpin as his, one of his biggest songs you know to him for him in his later years to to come with this album and really lay it out there, I think is incredibly inspiring. Um, and yeah, I think it's just genius actually what they did. Um, mm-hmm. So that's that's all I would add to that. I don't mm-hmm. know, Maggie, you have any thoughts? I just have a couple really quick. I think the first, going back to Jay-Z and 444, like he talks in the end about like, if my children knew in that mm. song. And I think that people forget that they're real people and that, that elevator footage and everything after had an effect on their family. And so I don't think they would fabricate any of that. Um, And the other thing is like, why would Solange do that? (laughs) Like what is in it for Solange to fake a elevator fight? Like that's silly. Especially them being so private. Like I just, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't buy it. I'm just like, they, they, they're private about everything. Like we've seen those twins like three times (laughs) and I just don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> this was like Kanye and Kim. It's like, they're known for this kind of, these stunts. Mm-hmm. So it's like, mm-hmm. maybe in that case, but. Exactly. Yeah. Like they, they have a direct line to TMZ. They, they just funnel the information to yep. them so that can come out like that. But we like, no, yeah, the Carters <laughs> are not doing that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. We have time for a few more here. Um, a couple of people asked this, so I did want to address it. Why this one specifically comes from DJT Payne. He says, why all male collaborators seems to go against the agenda of Lemonade. Was this her way of getting back at Jay? And then Adrian Tamez asked, how do you think a Jay-Z feature on Lemonade would have affected the overall listening experience? Um, Did you guys think about, I don't think it was until someone pointed it out to me that there was only male, I wouldn't say collaborators because there's more, right. there's women collaborators, but male features, I guess, male, male vocal presence on the album and no women. Um, I have some thoughts, but I was wondering if you guys thought about that at all or um, had some thoughts about why maybe there wasn't or was only male. I don't, I don't think I really noticed it. I think I noticed in the, in the, just researching how some of the songs came about that it felt like all the male voices featured happened pretty organically. Like I think the weekend yeah. wrote a big part of six inch first and Same James Blake, I think, yeah, I think it was just really just part of the creative process. And that's 
where she landed. I also really do think um, the female collaborators in general, beyond just the features, were super important. There's a lot of female songwriters. I think Diana Gordon, Ingrid Burley, I think is her name. So um, it definitely wasn't that like women weren't involved. Yeah. And I mean, not to be too meta, but I felt like with the visuals and her being very deliberate about uh, showcasing mostly Black women and showing them kind of like in their element and showing their faces and we we do hear their voices and then having, because, because of what she's trying to say about the Black relationships, like you can't have a relationship without your, your partner. And I think she didn't want to say no men at all or I'm only going to have men on tracks for whatever petty reason. I think that she, like Maggie was saying that it was an organic thing, but I think that there were a lot of women that were a part of this work. And to highlight the men, I feel like you're missing the point. Yeah. Yeah. To see the film and then take away that there's only male voices on the the music. Yeah. I don't know. I think, I think it's such a, when you see the film, it's so clear that you know, I don't think that's an issue or something we need to even think about all too much. What do you guys think about the Jay-Z feature? Because he is in the film. And I was wondering if they're, I mean, they did it meta, kind of more meta in the trilogy where it's Lemonade, 444, Everything is Love. So there is a Jay-Z feature, quote unquote, in this trilogy. Um, but yeah, I was just wondering, like, what if he did have a feature? How would that, how do you guys think that would work? Would it be effective? Do you think it would have been weird or I don't know what do you guys think well one thing I think about is that he he said in an interview that they had both been planning on making music about their experience but that it between the two of them it made sense for her to go first and kind Mm. of speak her truth and just in terms of the album I don't know where on the album it would make sense just because the first half is her really speaking her truth and then Sandcastles, like that song is not, I don't think Jay-Z could be on Sandcastles. <laughs> and then yeah. um, after that, it's just really opens up beyond the their relationship to the communal. So, I don't know. I just don't really feel like there's a natural place for his voice on that. What if album. he just came in and was like, I'm sorry, babe. <laughs> in between songs <laughs> yeah i don't know i think yeah i think there's a world where it could work where it could have happened it's hard to say on the songs that we hear in lemonade as it exists now I, yeah there's not really a clear place maybe maybe on all night i can see him maybe trying to get in there i could see he him kind of flipping that to make it sound a little more hip-hop but um yeah i don't know i it, it I think his feature, I think the way he was used in the film, if we are viewing this as a visual album, that you cannot separate the music from the visuals, he does have a feature, right? And it's a very, very strategic and powerful way that he was used, coming in precisely on the moment of forgiveness, coming precisely on the, the most vulnerable moment of the album, mm-hmm. which speaks to his place in this trilogy, which is revealing that emotion that was holding him back, that really was why he cheated or the way that's the kind of the way that they framed it was that he had all these, he had his guard up and he wasn't allowed to be vulnerable and all these self-esteem issues that are, that are hidden behind these walls and him just taking those walls out. That was kind of the point, right? That's how they found healing was show me your scars. Um, and 
yeah, so so to, in my mind, he does have a feature, um, and it it was really. And the, the fact that he doesn't say anything is almost like more powerful than anything he ever could have said. So, okay. So let's, uh, we're going to wrap it up here. I wanted to ask you guys, actually, let's do, let's do two more because I do want to see, we didn't talk about the album art specifically. And someone asked about what the significance of the album cover is. I have a couple thoughts. Maggie, did you think, have you thought about this at all? Um, I've honestly never really known, and I was actually really looking forward to hearing what you guys thought about it. Yeah. Um, Titi, do you have anything you wanted to start with at all? or? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a tricky one, for sure. It's, it's tricky. Um, so it's like not showing her face. Mm -hmm. um, you see the braids. Um, and then the out, outstretched arms. I think that that is very artistic in that we know who we know who that is. And mm. uh, you don't need to see her face. And uh, also, I think it's like, even though it's it's a still, you can feel the motion in it where it's like a slow revealing mm -hmm. of uh, like Beyonce. Yeah. And I think that is something that was huge with Lemonade where it was like, she's giving us a peek into her, into her life that we didn't necessarily have before. Um, the fur coat reminds me of the head high weed, weeds that she was walking through at Fort mm, Macomb. Yeah. Um, she's kind of like being hidden in those, in, in the head high weeds. Yeah. I don't know. There's just so many things I haven't, I'm not really sure. There's a lot of ideas. <laughs> yeah. I think it's not, I think it's abstract for a reason. I, 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 my perception of it, and this is something I we didn't put in the first episode, which I only discovered later, and I kind of wish we put it in. The very first image that we see in Lemonade is this image, the cover image, right? And it's slow motion. And in the background, you hear these weird noises, um, mm -hmm. like very slow, deep noises. If you put that, if you, if you speed that up, it's actually a lion's roar. Mm -hmm. that's in slow motion essentially and she's in slow motion so and then don't and this so and it's also the scene of don't hurt yourself which is the the most cathartic angry mo it comes in the chapter anger and she says um what's the line about lions she says beautiful man and beautiful you're yeah lion. and i know you're lying yeah Beautiful mane. mane I'm, the I'm, I'm the lion. Okay, yeah. yeah. So beautiful mane. I'm the lion. Uh, there's the lion's slow motion sound, cryptic, but it's there. That fur coat to me. So now thinking in that respect, the fur coat, maybe lion's mane. She, we went into the dre or her her braids being. Uh, she, you know, there's a prominent shot of her braids when she says lion's mane, um, and so. And then her face is hidden. So I, I definitely agree with what you're saying, TT, where it's like, yeah, the story of Lemonade is this revealing, cathartic journey of her coming out of some sh shell, the the kind of the oppression of society, the oppression of her marriage and her roles in these things and her really allowing herself to feel all these emotions and coming out the other side more evolved and more expressive of who she actually is. So part of this is like, yeah, that's a little bit hidden right now. It's the public gaze of not really knowing who she is. It's it's the mystery of their marriage, but also that there is this ferocity, 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 <laughs> what, 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 whatever one it is. Maggie. Yeah, Maggie, Maggie, where you at? <laughs> Maggie, tell us. 
<laughs> but yeah, there's this ferociousness. How about that? Um, mm-hmm. In there that we haven't quite seen to this capacity yet. And so it's just, I think, I think it's just that it's like, it's the, it's the caged lion and, and lemonade is the process mm-hmm. by which that we see her become uncaged, unhinged, but also ultimately finding who she is and, and being comfortable with that and all the facets of that. Um, and allowing herself to feel and express those emotions, which she kind of it's set up in the film through the hoods that she wears through the head high weeds of Fort Macomb, where she starts at this very, um, oppressed, hidden, uh, not expressing herself stage and then getting to see the transformation. So that was kind of like, it's like the cage lion about to erupt is kind of what I thought about mm. that. So, okay. So last question, what is your favorite chapter and or song and why? Maggie, you want to go first? Hmm. It's really hard to pick, <laughs> but yeah. I think my favorite is All Night mm. and Redemption. Mm. Uh, I don't really have a real reason other than it just makes me cry like every time. Uh, I think the part where like the little girls are all running across the field toward the gates of uh, the Maidwood Mansion, like that gets me because I always think about when she said that her goal was to have her, was for her children to have less complicated lives. And I just feel like that's such a great visual representation of that and then the song itself is just such a jam i love it (laughs) yeah what about you tt so i was torn between two um so i think going into working on this uh freedom was absolutely my favorite and it's still my favorite uh dissection that we did i felt like there was just so many layers and i really loved the the kendrick section of that and I thought it was just really, really, really good. Um, but I think Ford really has a really strong reaction from me now, mm. post working on Dissect. Um, I can't hear the first word of that song without like getting emotional. Mm. Um, I and so that one. And, and even though it makes me very emotional when when I go to listen to Lemonade, that's usually the first one that I listen to um, because I just feel like it's just so powerful. It's short. It's the shortest mm-hmm. song, but it's just so incredibly powerful in its meaning and um, the visuals that accompanied it. It was it was a it's tough to watch, but it's still really, really beautiful, which I I think is the kind of like the overarching theme for all of Lemonade, where it's just like, it's hard and it's painful, but it's still so beautiful. And that's how I feel about Ford. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it is hard to, to take these out of context because the to, the the sequence of forgiveness, sandcastles, forward, uh, resurrection, and then hope and freedom is such a powerful trio. Mm. And, and it's yes. just like, that is the crux of everything. It, it and it, it especially with forward it's like it that's like the x of the album where it kind of everything kind of lines and crosses and 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 changes but yeah it's just like man it's such a it's i mean in all my time i would say of doing dissect that's probably the strongest sequence of of i guess songs but also the visuals that accompanied it it's just man what a what a timeless yet very specific message um universal yet very specific, you know, it's just, 
it hits all those moments. It's, it taps into this kind of formula that, you know, I think right now, and and this is something larger about lemonade is it is like this, it's a journey. It's, it's the anger. It's, well, it's the denial. It's the anger. It's the apathy, the emptiness. It's like this whole emotional journey. And I think Mm. if we're trying to relate it maybe with what we're going through right now in this country, it's like, we are definitely at chapter two or chapter three, right? Like we're at the lot of anger in the air, a lot of division, but I feel like part of us has to remember that there's going to, we need to, we need to go through more cycles. There will be more emotions Mm -hmm. in this. I mean, maybe we don't feel them in our lifetime, but as a human race, as a country, this larger trajectory is neat, is going to need to like, we're going to need to incorporate more emotional. We can't just be angry, right? Like there's a place for anger. There's a time for anger and there's a, a purpose to anger, just like we saw in lemonade. But at some point, if we're ever going to heal, we're going to need to find a way to forgive. We're going to need to find a way to have more empathy and listen to each other. And ultimately it comes back to what she, she ends on is love. And, and that's the place that we, if we're going to live in harmony, if we're going to coexist beautifully and, and harmoniously and, and I'm talking across time. It's like, that is the formula. This, this gives us that formula. And I think it's just kind of trying to relate it back to this question is the, that sequence of three songs, I feel like is just something that we should probably think about as we're, we're navigating these times. Um, yeah. I, and to answer the question specifically freedom, man, it's hard not to choose freedom for me. Um, right especially as a, like the musician side of me, like what they did to build the production of that song, the samples that they used to create this, you know, this, the backdrop of, you know, the, the sample of the chain gang at the penitentiary. Uh, you have the, it, it, so you have the kind of the oppression, oppression, but then you have the, the, the gospel, the choir, uh, and the preacher there is the kind of the hope. And it's like, they're creating this like tapestry of, of, just by the sonic elements. And then on top of that, you get this really powerful message about freedom. Mm-hmm. You get the Kendrick verse, which is just like, when you discover what he's doing at that, it's just like mind blowing. It's just, I think I said on, even on social, like, if you don't think this is one of the best pieces of music, in the 21st century, you're not listening hard enough. You're not paying attention. Cause man, like they, they found something special with, with freedom. Um, anyways, I think that was it. Um, I wanted to end just by thanking you guys, you know, this season was, you know, every season has an impact on me personally, but this one was really, really special. And it was because we are working together. Um, you know, both of your insights were just so valuable. Um, TT, you, we didn't talk about this really, but it's like you, you have podcast experience, but you didn't ever like host this style of podcast and, the way to just watch you kind of blossom and and learn really quickly and and just do such an incredible job was like really really cool maggie pulling you out of the obscurity of finding you through your through your job and and uh getting you on board was just really cool um yeah so i just really wanted to thank you guys i learned so much from both of you and um i was just really lucky to find you guys and have you guys and and all that thank you cole for for the opportunity uh i had never i never could have thought that i would have this opportunity but i feel very grateful that you were willing to take a chance on on me someone who has never done anything like this before 
because I'm sure you have hundreds and hundreds of people you could have chosen to do this. Um, and, you know, a uh, scientist is probably not at the top <laughs> of your list. Um, but I, I have... I am forever changed because of this experience, um, not just because uh, Lemonade is so uh, transformational, but because of the work that I had to do for Dissect and working with you and working with Maggie and reading both of you all's uh, writing has been, it's just been mind blowing uh, the way that you, being able to read the scripts and and work alongside of you guys. I feel so much smarter <laughs> now than I did before. And so I just want to say thank you to both of you for kind of knowingly and not knowingly pushing me to be a better writer, a better uh, co-host, and just a better person overall. My goodness. I, I'm i so emotional. I <laughs> thank you so much just for like giving me an opportunity to be part of this. Both of you just blow me away with your words on your writing and your thoughts like I um I feel very blessed to be part of this so thank you yeah again it was a, it was a really great experience I think we I'm gonna be pushing you guys for a reunion season one of these days <laughs> um but for now we have a, an episode next week that will be on 444 and everything is love and then we are very likely going to do something on black is king at some point uh after its release so be on the lookout for that um cool all right well thank you guys for doing this this is great uh and thank you everyone for for listening we will talk to you guys soon Arrest the cops that murdered Breonna Taylor.